Wednesday, the 23rd of September 2009, and you're listening to Skeptics with a K, the podcast for science, reason, and critical thinking. Skeptics with a K is produced by the Merseyside Skeptic Society, a non-profit organization dedicated to the promotion of scientific skepticism on Merseyside, around the UK, and internationally. I'm your host, Mike Hall. With me today is Marsh. Hello. And Colin. Hello. So last week we did our first speaker event at uh, for Skeptics in the Pub. We did, we did, um, and it went so well. It was crazy. It, it was, was crazy. It was obscenely good. Mm. Um, I really didn't expect the kind of. We, I think we counted around seventy people. I think. Well, I mean, yeah, but it was seventy, seventy-five, something around that. I mean, there was speculation that it was more, but um, I think we can safely pin our hat on seventy, seventy-five. I, I was thinking uh, in the run-up, I was thinking forty. If we get forty, I'm happy. Oh uh, yeah, I'll be yeah. pleased with forty. I think there was a point where there's about 20 or so people and it was like, mm, what's going to happen here? Yeah, and then yeah. we hit 30 and hit 40 and 50 and 60 and then it was standing room only and people were stood on the stairs. And it, it was literally standing room only, mm. which, uh, which was fantastic. And the audience seemed to really appreciate it. We, but not we, overall, it was, it was, it was genuinely fantastic. I mean, I, I was amazed by uh, the turnout. I believe we had, um, was it Matt Smith from Mort Haunted there as well? Yes. Did he go by Matt or Matthew? I'm not quite sure. On Wikipedia, he's, Matthew Smith, brackets, psychologist. I see. Uh, so he goes by Matthew Smith, at least according to Wikipedia. Right, I see. There we uh, go, as yeah. opposed to Matt Smith, brackets, actor, who's the new Doctor Who. Yep, there's our first Doctor <laughs> Who reference. For anyone who had a pen and paper, it was, t- it was 10 minutes, 12 seconds is the answer. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, so we want to say thank you to Chris. I mean, I don't know if Chris listens to the show, but we definitely want to thank Chris for Let's just presume he does. Hi, Chris. Hi. Thank you very Hello, much. Chris. It was fantastic having you here. You were ace. Um, definitely want to thank uh, Andy and Martin who did the sound for us. Yeah, they, those guys were fantastic. They did really well. And, mm. you know, I personally want to thank you two for like all the work that you put into it. You, you two, man, right back at you, big man. Uh, <laughs> couldn't have done it without you. Obviously. Let's just have a big love in right now, a big, big group hug. Um, so, yeah, our next event is uh, Ari and Shireen. Um, yes. Which is on October 15th, uh, again at the Crown Hotel, uh, upstairs bar, mm-hmm. probably... Um, is going to be busier. Than yeah, get there early because so, uh, it will be standing room only from pretty early on, I, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully, fingers crossed. Hopefully. Come along, people. Yeah, and we're, we're sort of doing that in, in cooperation with Liverpool Humanists, mm. um, who are very kindly helping us out on that and, and, and plugging away. I actually had a conversation with Richard from, from Liverpool Humanists, who, who I also know listens to the show. Mm. Or at least he says he listens to the show. He's we'll like, find <laughs> out. Here's, here's the acid test, Richard. He's on our fan page on Facebook. Now, either he's being polite or he listens to the we show. We should give him like a code word that if he does listen to the show, he's going to tell us it. <laughs> How about tangerine? Richard, if you are listening to the show, you, you have to send a message to one of us with the word tangerine. Yeah, next time we see him, he has to, he has to say tangerine. Um, but he said that they were planning on getting... Um, Arian up anyway as part of the Liverpool Humanist event mm. uh, and that we just preempted him <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sort of felt Oops. a bit bad about that <laughs> for about that long yeah a nanosecond actually, um, yeah. so shit sorry Richard uh, well, never mind well you could come in on this one if you like <laughs> oh. so uh, what have you been up to uh, today Marshall well today I had a uh, Irish music festival and a general eating festival outside my bedroom window, which was a little bit irritating uh, when I was trying to sleep off a bit of a hangover. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's the Liverpool Hope Feast, I think it's called, or the Hope Street Feast, something around that right. kind of area. It's a festival on Hope Street, which is the street between the two cathedrals in Liverpool. And uh, I thought I'd get up and have a little wander around, if only to escape the horrendous music that was being pumped out right outside my flat. It was genuinely awful. It felt like I was on the Titanic. It was all awful, <laughs> awful stuff. So I had a little wander down uh, down Hall Street to sample the uh, the foods and the the sights and stuff. And I had to, I had a nice little bowl of scouse, which is just stew. But bizarrely, the the person who served me my scouse, she said to me, uh, "I don't uh, serve scouse." For, for my real job. For my real job, I'm a Reiki practitioner. <laughs> and I thought to myself, that's an interesting definition of a real job, for one thing. Did she just come up, come, were you, I mean, were you chatting with her? Did she just I she said tell this to everybody? Well, she had leaflets. I think she was there pr- promoting, she did, um, she, she was very proud of the fact she did Reiki and reflexology. And I, to my eternal shame, didn't say anything. I thought, she's feeding me. Well, you, I mean, you don't want to make a scene. Well, know, that was on, it. I mean, Hope Street, usually I do, I do make a bit of a scene. Well, not so much a scene, but I'll normally sort of tackle people. If people are going to th- put this out into my 
kind of life, if people are going to sort of push this into towards me, then I'm going to mention, I'm going to speak about it because I think if someone's going to put their claim out to you, um, then mm. they're expecting, they, they should be expecting, if nothing else, the uh, the response. Well, it could have been worse. She could have been a homeopath. They handed you a bottle of water. And it's a homeopathic scout. <laughs> yeah, with a single molecule of lamb somewhere in the bottom. There you go. There you go. There's your stew. Well, yes, I saw that. And I also saw um, there was some uh, magnet therapy, therapeutic healing bracelets and things, and a, yeah. a whole table load of crystals, which I took a photo of, which you'll probably stick up on uh, on the website or the Facebook group or something. Just to, uh, it's, it's amazing that you can't have these events anymore. You can't have people getting together and celebrating, you know, culture and food and things without having an associated dollop of woo on the side. Okay, uh, later this month, the International Agency for Research on Cancer, which is an arm of the World Health Organization, is due to release a long-awaited 30-nation study into the possible tumor-causing effects of mobile phones on their users. Um, so, $30 million study and was begun in 1998 and was due to be published in about 2003, 2004. And publication has been held up for years, supposedly because of arguments over how the data should be interpreted, but will be presented this month at a US Senate hearing. The French government is concerned by the supposed findings and is planning on banning mobiles from primary schools as well as making it mandatory. Oh, well, I thought you were going to say they were going to ban mobiles. <laughs> <laughs> French government is planning to ban the mobile phone. Whoa! Has, not to has France got mobile phones? Uh, I hope so, otherwise it's a very confused policy. <laughs> yeah, I think they, they own... I'm joking, of course they've got mobile phones. They, they own Orange or something, I think, don't they? The Do they? Yeah. Is it called Orange? <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hello. Parle, parle. It'll be talk, talk, I guess. Uh, I can't really frank of size any other. <laughs> and Ode. Ode. It sounds like order. <laughs> Suitable for the French, I suppose. <laughs> oh, dear bit, me. Bit of casual racism in there. Shocking this French bash. And I'll point out I've, I'm a Francophile. I love the French. I speak French in small, small measures, but I love the French. I, I mean, homeopathic I, French. I, I do have homeopathic French. <laughs> I learned, learned a couple of phrases back in uh, back in A-level and have completely diluted it with all the rest of crap that so I know. So you can actually speak French better than French people can. Much better the, than uh, French people. Via the, the logic of homeopathy. Yeah, the law of infinitesimals. <laughs> They're also making it mandatory for phones to be sold with earphones in order to reduce potential radiation risk and are debating on removing advertising and mobiles to children under 11. And this was in the Telegraph that reported this. Oh, the Telegraph. The Telegraph do love their stories about health, cancer, EHS, you know, electro yeah. hypersensitivity. I remember that came up quite a lot on our podcast. It's something yeah. we've spoken about at length, I believe. I don't know why they're particularly um, singling out the French government. It seems a bit preemptive to me because um, the report hasn't been officially published, and I suspect that it's the French plans are probably more to do with simply stopping kids in primary schools using their phones during mm. lessons. The problem is, there just seems to be general confusion in the media about what the results on any studies are, and it's difficult to know the truth. I mean, all the early studies found no cancer risk at all, although. It's a bit unfair to single them out because they couldn't really study long-term users. Mm. But even the later studies, and that just gets more confusing as well. Because the Telegraph, again, claims that studies done in Sweden, where mobiles became popular quite early on, found that long-term users are on average twice as likely to get malignant gliomas, which is an incurable brain cancer, on the side of the head where they held the handset. I mean, I, I remember seeing this, that Sweden, um, this came up with electrohypersensitivity. Mm. Sweden is one of the few countries in the world that accepts EHS as, not a diagnosis, but a syndrome, yeah, I think it is. Yeah, recognise it's, it as a syndrome. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it's, a, it's a group of symptoms, but I don't think you can say this is an actual diagnosis, an mm. actual cause. Yeah. And I know that um, there were studies done in Sweden, I don't know if this is the same ones, that were largely discredited. Um, I think it probably is, yeah. Mm. Um, if you look at the Cancer Research UK website, which I trust more than the angel-believing Telegraph, <laughs> it reveals no Swedish studies, but does mention a large Danish study. And this was a, of 420,000 people over a 20-year period, and it found that long-term mobile phone users did not have higher rates of any type of cancer. And two other studies found the same, although they did point out that people were more likely to develop acoustic neuroma, which is a benign tumour, quite a rare one usually. Mm. on the side of the head that they usually held their phone to. Unfortunately, these studies, too, were prone to bias because they relied on people remembering accurately how they used their phones several years ago, mm. 10, 15, that kind of distance in time. Yeah. And also their answers may have been influenced by the reading of newspapers, scare stories that were all over the place at the time. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is a bit worrying for me because I've had a mobile phone now for 12 years 
Yeah. And, and I am never more than about six inches away from my phone ever. <laughs> so if, if, if they suddenly say mobiles cause cancer, I'm fucked. Wasn't it? I, I am dead. Wasn't it reported in the Metro um, that you shouldn't sleep with your phone under your pillow? I literally sleep with my phone under my pillow. <laughs> no, you quite, don't. Quite literally sleep Why with do you my do that? Under my pillow. In case it rings. Turn it off. I don't want it off. What if someone needs <laughs> me at 3 a.m.? Who needs you at 3 in the morning? Well, if someone needs me at 3 in the morning, it must be fucking important, obviously. I, I don't think anyone ever needs you at 3 in the morning. Wouldn't you be more likely to hear it on the side rather than muffled under the pillow? Well, to be honest, it's not normally under the pillow. It's normally beside the pillow oh. because it falls out of my hand. <laughs> As I drop out of your lifeless hand. Yeah. This is terrible. This is iPhone addiction at its very, very worst. It is. I've been sold on the, by Steve Jobs' reality distortion field. <laughs> Do you know about the reality distortion field? I've not heard this of it. Is it's something the that, Matrix. No, this is something that um, Apple employees ascribe to Steve Jobs. They say he can literally warp reality <laughs> when he talks to you. They call it the reality distortion field. Really? You sit in a room with Steve Jobs and he can convince you of anything. He can tell you that down is up, up is down, black is white. And when you leave that room, you will fucking believe him. That's it, a little bit scary. Is he kind of yeah. like Big Brother then in that case? It's the double think of uh, yeah, two and two equals five. It, he's just an incredibly charismatic man, as I understand it. Um, also, it's not like through fear and totalitarianism like, uh, like probably, all those Big Brother went to. Probably partly through that as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. With the <laughs> stories that I've heard of, of Steve Jobs in the 80s. I don't know if, if, if he's like that today. But I know there was one engineer called um, Burl Smith who was the the lead hardware designer on the original Macintosh. Mm. Um, he designed the, the, the logic board for it. Um, and if, if you want to quit Apple and Steve doesn't want you to go, it's practically impossible to do. <laughs> because you will go in and say, Steve, I'm quitting, and he will reality distort you until you're staying. Really? Do you think he's a Jedi? <laughs> he <laughs> was. It's like going to the parole board in a prison, and you've got to persuade them to let you out. <laughs> yeah, it is absolutely. You'll you'll normally you'll go into you'll you go into Steve's office to quit, and you will come out working an extra twenty hours a week. Really? That's that's like the kind of man Steve is. Burrell knew that at some point he would have to leave Apple. He'd he'd want to quit and retire and go and live a high life in like Silicon Valley. Mm. Um, and so he, he, he came up with a plan. He said, I've got the perfect way of nullifying the reality distortion field. What I'm going to do is I'm going to want, march into Steve's office, climb up on his desk and piss all over it. <laughs> <laughs> he can't possibly then make me stay. <laughs> Even if he won't let me quit, he's got to fire me. Yeah, yeah. So years passed and the time came when Burrell decided he wanted to quit Apple. To do his dirty protest. And he marched into Steve's office to find Steve sitting behind his desk with a whacking great smile, going, yeah. are you going to do it? And somehow <laughs> Steve had heard this story that Burrell was going to piss on his desk. He's going, and Steve's excited. He's thrilled. Are you going to do it? Are you really going to do it? And Burrell said, I'll do it if I have to do it. <laughs> and Steve said, no, you're all right. You can go. And Burrell got out. He got away really? scot-free. He got away without reality distorting. Yes. Speaking of distorting reality, what are Telegraph saying about mobile phones? <laughs> <laughs> um, some very exaggerated opinion-based pieces on it, basically. Um, objectively, at the end, there's no real proof at the moment of any significant link between mobile phones and cancer. And, and Cancer Research UK even mentioned that the new study has so far found no evidence of an increase in cancer due to mobile phone use either. Um, so all we can do is wait and see what the final publication uh, says. Um, although I doubt that controversy will ever fully go away because studies such as these will never be seen by everyone as definitive, I think. Because mm. causes of cancer are notoriously difficult to isolate and mobiles are everywhere. Um, that's pretty much uh, everything on that story, except I'd like to cap it off just by um, iterating that there is actually no known way by which mobiles could actually cause cancer. Yeah. To my understanding of it, which you know isn't, isn't complete by any means, um, the, the, the frequencies that these things operate on is, is, is not a frequency at which electromagnetic radiation is a, a form of ionizing radiation. Like ionizing radiation, like gamma rays, can damage your DNA. And when it damages your DNA, that will either kill the cell or it will cause the cell to, to go into overdrive and start replicating itself. Uh, yeah, sure. And, and, and that's, and cause cancer, that's yeah. something that causes cancer. That's the action. That's how ionizing radiation causes cancer. The frequencies that mobile phones operate in aren't either. They don't damage DNA. They're not yeah. going to cause cells to start reproducing in that way. Well, yeah.
yeah, I mean, cancer's actually been in the news uh, quite, a, quite a bit of late. I mean, obviously, it's in the news quite regularly. People have cancer all the time. That was a bit of a facile thing of me to say. But particularly, <laughs> I was thinking in regards to um, the, the death of um, Patrick Swayze, you know, the actor from oh, yes, yes. Dirty Dancing and, and various other films. Uh, he lost his long fight with pancreatic cancer uh, and passed away um, last Monday, I believe it was. Um, he was diagnosed with stage four pancreatic cancer in late January 2008, and he died on September 14th after a long battle, which was uh, very, mm. I believe, it was very public at times. And he even um, he appeared in the TV series The Beast. He, he acted in that series whilst undergoing chemotherapy and things. And he was very, uh, oh, he was very haggard and very, um, and he used that kind of that pain and that kind of trauma in the portrayal of the character. It was very strange to watch, but mm. uh, it made for a, an, an intriguing show. Um, the, the news of his death, it's been met with, um, much sadness from his fans, obviously. Um, uh, mostly girls, I think I'll needlessly add. Yeah. But certain sections of the pseudo medical community have taken his death as, uh, an altogether different message. Um, in an item post, posted to naturalnews.com by editor Mike Adams, the self-proclaimed health ranger, uh, swears his death is in fact a chilling warning as to the dangers of chemotherapy. Right. I'll quote the article. Hmm. Um, you want, might want to hold on to something here. <laughs> Uh, the, the article says, having put his faith in conventional chemotherapy, Swayze largely dismissed ideas that nutrition, superfoods, or alternative medicine might save him. Instead, betting his life on the chemotherapy approach, which seeks to poison the body into a state of remission, instead of nourishing it into a state of health. So, uh, what, oh, let's say, what this guy is saying is, Patrick Swayze is dead because he didn't use Alternative medicine. Yes, because he used chemotherapy. He used poison. Because he used medicine. Yeah. Not bollocks. Yes. And so he's dead. And that's what killed him. Not the cancer. He wasn't killed by the cancer. He was killed by the chemotherapy not stopping the cancer. That's 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 actually quite a, an obscene thing yeah. to say. Especially when Patrick's barely cold. Oh yeah, I mean this is literally this came out the day after he died. It was it's awfully times in a really really uh, manipulative like, and like they were waiting for it yeah it is it's, it's just cashing in it is it's yeah. awful it's they've it's... got a big list of celebrities with cancer they've they've got the press release standing by they just need to copy and paste the name into the top funny you should say that i'll come to that later <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> Uh, I'll quote the article further, um, because you can't get enough of this bollocks. Um, having put his faith in conventional chemotherapy, I love that phrase, conventional chemotherapy. Yeah, as opposed uh, to the special woo chemotherapy. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. Un unconventional chemotherapy is like sort of way you, you do it in a clown costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, by uh, Patch Adams. Yeah. <laughs> the article then actually goes on to put his death in the context of other celebrity deaths. Right. Um, the article actually says uh, he'll be deeply missed, and in his death, he joins many other celebrities who've been recently killed by pharmaceuticals or <laughs> chemotherapy. Killed by pharmaceuticals well, yeah, or no. chemotherapy. Killed. Kill, killed by uh, the pharmaceuticals. Not by the cancer. No. Killed by the pharmaceuticals. Killed by pharmaceuticals. Right. Who are the other celebrity victims of this Western medicine? Well, this is an unsavory quiz. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to throw this one out to the listeners. There'll be no prize on this one, guys. I, I know for a fact, actually, that Steve Jobs recently had pancreatic cancer. And he, Did he really? He reality distorted it away. <laughs> he had the rarest form of pancreatic cancer, so which actually is the, the one that is not fatal. And really? Is, and is completely treatable. Did he, he use conventional he pancreatic treatment? cancer and he just convinced it to go into remission. <laughs> Steve, Steve Jobs, Jobs version of chemotherapy. <laughs> That's the non-conventional chemotherapy. Well... It's got a list here, and some of these uh, celebrities are American celebrities, so uh, we'll, sort of, we'll, we'll bring them up just because they're mentioned in the site, but I, I did a little bit of a look and looking up on them. Uh, Peter Jennings, it says, died following chemotherapy for lung cancer, is what, uh, is what the article says. Well, no. right, that's, that, that's a post hoc ergo propter hoc fallacy there straight away as well. Exactly. He died following chemotherapy. Well, really, I'm sure he died following breathing as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> yeah. He died of lung cancer. He didn't yeah. die follow, like, because of the chemotherapy. He wasn't killed by his lung cancer treatment. He died of lung cancer. Yeah. I mean, the next one's even worse. Heath Ledger died following an accidental over overdose of prescription medications. Well, yeah, he overdosed. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he took more than the safe dosage, which is what an overdose is, which is why it's an unsafe dosage, which is yeah. why it's an overdose. You know, had he drowned, would Adams be blaming it on water? Um, a couple more here. Famed newscaster Tim Russett is most likely dead from the fatal side effects of, of cholesterol medications. So now we're guessing. Well, he's yeah. guessing. 
the coroner's not guessing, <laughs> and no no one else involved in Tim Russet, uh, Russet's estate and in his his death at all is guessing because uh, you know everything says he had a heart attack. That was the coroner's ruling, and the only person questioning that appears to be Mike Adams, the health uh, ranger. Health ranger. I love the fact he's called the health ranger. It's 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 sort of superhero esque, like sort of Power Ranger. You know, yeah, I can almost see him dressed in kind of like a little cowboy outfit, a little bit tight on the chaps. Yeah. I don't know what he looks like, Mike. It's all gone a bit broke back mountain suddenly. Other celebrities they mention include uh, former White House press secretary Tony Snow, who apparently died after receiving chemotherapy for colon cancer. Again, he died of colon cancer, not chemotherapy. And uh, it says here Bernie Mac was most likely killed by pharmaceutical side effects. Again, just a guess. Well, he's guessing, <laughs> but again, Bernie Mac died of pneumonia caused by his uh, sarcoido- sarcoidosis. Yeah, sarcoidosis. I'm actually yeah. quite shocked there because I didn't know Bernie Mac was dead. Oh no, I've broken it to you. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so, I'm so I'm glad you were sat down. I'm all right. I didn't know who Bernie Mac was until I saw that he was dead, so I was I wasn't quite hit by the blow. I know he was in Bad Santa. <laughs> in Bad Santa. That's a fantastic I, film. I've never seen it. Is that Billy Bob Thornton? Bad yeah, Santa yeah. sounds like it should be a sceptical website, like bad astronomy. <laughs> bad astronomy, bad science, bad psychics, yeah. bad Santa. Yeah, it's just a very, very one-dimensional site. There's not got much to say, to be honest. Like, yeah, it doesn't exist, to be honest. <laughs> Sorry, kids. Um, going back to the article, it says, uh, the list of celebrities killed by Western medicine is seemingly endless. Well, and it says, and now, sadly, Patrick Swayze joins that ever-growing list of famous, endearing people who paid the ultimate price for their misplaced faith in slash-and-burn medicine and conventional chemotherapy treatments. Slash-and-burn medicine? <laughs> I don't think that that's a genuine medical practice yeah. for treating cancer, slash-and-burn. <laughs> maybe, maybe a couple hundred years ago. Yeah, that's, isn't that amputation, slash-and-burn? Slash-and-burn, yeah. <laughs> How about the list of people who didn't die because of Western medicine, because Western medicine saved them? How's that list doing? That's the never-ending list. I suspect that's a growing list as well. I think it's a growing list. I think it's growing much faster than people who died, who didn't die, who survived Mm. because they took proper Western medicine and didn't rely on Power Ranger, my (laughs) cousin. I mean, it's far too numerous to list. And that's even accepting the ridiculous assertion that anyone who isn't saved by chemotherapy is therefore killed by it. I mean... It's it's complete and utter nonsense. That whole assertion is just yeah. Yeah. awful, awful, just twisting of the facts. Um, although, to be fair, Power Ranger Mike Adams does have a retort to that uh, to that very point. He says, had Patrick Swayze's pancreatic cancer gone away, doctors would have hailed chemotherapy as the genius treatment that saved Swayze's life. But chemotherapy has never healed anyone of cancer. Not once in the history of medicine. Uh, uh, hey? Hello? Um, <laughs> Well, because you don't cure cancer, it goes into remission. So, yeah. So presumably he's just misreading. A, a well, he's just, he's just <laughs> using semantics. He's, what he's yeah. doing is he's using semantics Semantic to suggest argument, that yeah. it's useless. But no, people survive Stupid cancer because statement. of chemotherapy. He says, could Patrick Swayze have saved his own life with natural medicine? Absolutely. Without question. Even late-stage pancreatic cancer can be reversed, yes, reversed, with full-on naturopathic treatments involving Chinese herbal medicine, Deep body detoxification that includes sweat saunas and colon cleansing. Radical changes in diet from dead foods to live foods. What? A healthy dose of vitamin D and the daily consumption of raw anti-cancer living juices made from fresh organic produce like cabbage, broccoli and garlic. Forget chemotherapy, essentially is what you're saying. Here's a Sunday roast and an enema. That'll cure what else you. I look forward to the peer-reviewed study. Uh, this next story comes from a listener. Ooh, we ha- we, this is fantastic. We're getting our sta- uh, we're starting to get our listener feedback. Starting to get uh, like story suggestions from a listener. This Which is, is a, cool. This is from a listener called Duncan Warwick. Um, Hello, Duncan. Hello. Uh, so Duncan writes, "Hi guys, I just wanted to let you know that I've recently discovered your podcast, having been an SGU listener for some time, and I am enjoying them very much. Ooh, it's a good start." Yeah, we like that start. Stroke the ego early on. Yeah, it's a strong start. It it makes a statement. It backs it up. I like it. Yeah. Um, Excuse me if this is something that you've already come across, but I have heard some nonsense in my time, and this takes the biscuit. I hadn't heard of it or her until recently, when I'm almost embarrassed to say my girlfriend told me about it after her mother had actually made use of her services and paid her something like £60. (sighs) It's a building up. It's a bit of a mystery so far. This is. I like it. I don't know who her is, what it is. Who is she? (laughs) Um, I was horrified and can't believe the front of the woman. Is this a new piece of woo? Her web shite. Nice. (laughs) I like that. Good touch. Good touch. uh, Makes for some interesting reading. 
I found several laugh out loud moments. Maybe more worryingly is that I am surrounded by people that lap this stuff up and claim that my chi is not aligned or that I'd actually get it. (laughs) Obviously, I'm familiar with dowsing and ley lines, but bad earth spirits dragging me down. How can these people get away with it? Sorry, sorry, sorry. What what was that? Ley lines, Uh (coughs) dowsing with you and bad earth spirits dragging me down. Bad Earth Spirits. Is Bad Earth like Bad Santa? He is actually referring to a website um, called alternativeways.co.uk. Ooh, I like um, this already. This is the website of uh, Debbie Rye, a natural therapist of some description, uh, based in Cambridge. Uh, Rye claims to have been suffering from diabetes uh, when she was diagnosed with candida, um, which she treated with an, uh, a herbal cleanse, whatever the fuck that is. <laughs> Um, which treated the candida and restored her to health. I think a herbal cleanse is when you um, put some parsley under the tap before you eat it. <laughs> you, you give it a bit of a wash off. That's a herbal yeah. cleanse, I think. Uh, now, uh, candida albicans is a normal part of the human uh, flora, often found in the gut and genitourinary tract. Um, occasionally, if uh, if a patient is immunosuppressed or has been taking anti has, has been taking antibiotics, uh, the growth of candida can get out of control and causes a condition known as uh, candidiasis, <clears throat> more commonly known as thrush. Ah, uh, it's obviously very common and very treatable. Um, it, it seemed to me very odd that uh, Rye's doctors had somehow missed candidiasis and were treating her for diabetes. Um, it's not exactly an inconspicuous infection. Um, it's not yeah. very similar to diabetes either. No, <laughs> it's really. I mean, I did have a look around to see if there was any relationship between you know, candida overgrowth and diabetes. I couldn't find anything. It's like saying, firm. well, they, they missed the fact she had thrush, but they thought she had a leg missing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's very, very <laughs> different symptoms. Uh, but Wikipedia provided me with the answer. Ooh. Um, Wikipedia reports that uh, pseudo-medican advocates uh, frequently use the word candida to refer to anything they like. Um, (laughs) regardless of whether there is any scientific data relating the symptoms to candida fungus um so when she says that she was diagnosed with candida that could literally mean anything yeah she had Um, a leg missing is what it was (laughs) so she claims to have been restored following this herbal cleanse um except for one symptom Uh, is that the thrush (laughs) it's cured everything apart from the thrush get in she said it's cured everything except for her headache uh however following two holidays where she took a large supply of headache tablets with her, but didn't need them. Mm-hmm. She came to the conclusion that the headaches were caused by her house. Oh, okay. Was it falling in like Chicken Little? <laughs> <laughs> very low roof. Yeah. Um, yeah all, all the door frames are very low. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't look where she was going. No, it was, ter- it was terrible. It was terrible. Um, she, she read a leaflet um, which uh, talked about a condition known as geopathic stress. <laughs> Um, which she says uh, seemed it could be the answer. Now, I'll come back to geopathic stress in a second. Um, please, please do. Because I want to talk about it in, in, in some more detail. But suffice to say, it's sort of electro-hypersensitivity. So, sort of like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, now, get ready for this, because the woo comes thick and fast now. She says that she spoke to a dowser mm-hmm. who confirmed that there was a ray crossing her bed. Okay. Her husband's called Ray, though, isn't he? I don't. I don't it, oh, <laughs> it, it could be a sort of Steve Irwin kind of. <laughs> that was one of the reasons she was feeling well. She slept underwater. What's a dancer doing in her bedroom? <laughs> Looking for water. It's there. Uh, so she bought a neutralizer, uh, which apparently helped. She, <laughs> it would, wouldn't it? She then decided that the geopathic stress not only caused her headaches, but also had caused two miscarriages that she'd had. Uh, as well as the diabetes and the candida, which wasn't candida. Yeah. Uh, she then discovered, who'd have thought it, that she could douse herself. Ooh. Um, then she learned all about angels. <laughs> okay. I don't know if that's a Learn Direct course. <laughs> Open, <laughs> Open University, University, I think, yeah. Something yeah. like that. She went to a local polytechnic. Um, and developed clairvoyance uh, and clairsentience uh, and clairaudience. Oh, that's good, because you don't want one of those things. Cause it's, like, no. it's like watching a film without the sound on. You're like, oh, God, this is just annoying. Um, Can I get a clairaudience in here? <laughs> the angels then, after learning about angels, suddenly they're there. Um, the angels yeah. guided her to start healing geopathic stress in people's houses. I told you it came thick and fast. Uh, now she works with her higher self. <laughs> <laughs> is the higher self the one that kept hitting her head on the door frames? <laughs> Uh, and archangels performing soul rescues. 
Bloody hell. Uh, earth healing and spiritual response therapy and crystal healing. Yeah. And, and homeopathy. Please. No, I've not, I didn't see any homeopathy on I, there. I need homeopathy for a full house. <laughs> I'm, I'm playing woo bingo as we're going here. I'll tell you something. I had, I had a line about half an hour ago. Uh, so we've talked about electro hypersensitivity on the show before. We have. Um, Hi, Steve Mike. And as best that I can tell, <laughs> geopathic stress is similar to electro hypersensitivity where Electro hypersensitivity refers to a morbidity caused by sensitivity to electromagnetic fields, usually from human sources like radio waves and Wi-Fi and mobile phones yeah. like we talked about before and, yeah. uh, and, and power lines. Whereas geopathic stress, on the other hand, relates to a sensitivity to natural sources of energy. Specifically, it's usually ley lines. Yeah. You, you live on a ley line, you are sensitive to ley lines, uh, and, and, and this causes you to become ill. Uh, Rye defines geopathic stress on our website as follows. <coughs> <laughs> geopathic stress, or GS, or harmful earth rays, <laughs> is natural radiation which rises up through the earth and is distorted by weak electromagnetic fields created by subterranean running water, certain mineral concentrations, fault lines, and underground cavities. The wavelengths of the natural radiation disturbed in this way become harmful to living organisms. GS does not cause any illness, but lowers your immune system and your ability to fight off viruses and bacterium. Just one. <laughs> you can fight off multiple bacteria. Um, while we are candida. <laughs> yeah, that's the one you don't get away with. While we are sleeping, the body should be at rest, and it can then do its repair work on body cells, fight infections, and absorb nutrients from the food eaten in the day. However, when we are sleeping in a GS place, the body has to use all its energy just to keep vital organs going, and consequently the immune system is lowered. We cannot absorb our nutrients or fight off infections. Done? Yes. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> Fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> that obviously makes I, no scientific sense at all. It doesn't even make grammar, grammatical sense. I, I got, I got, got just drowned in a sea of words flying at me. So I'm going to go through the, the to, through the, the claims one one at a time. Okay. Um, natural radiation rises up through the earth. That's true enough. All right. Yeah. Um, there, there is a background level of radiation, some of which does come from the earth. Um, I've, I found various figures for how much this radiation is, but the uh, Environmental Protection Agency in America lists this as uh, around 80 micro-REMs a day. Um, compare and contrast this with the average chest X-ray, which is 4,000 micro-REMs. So it's not many then. So this is uh, this amount of radiation really isn't going to do anybody any harm. It's well, well, well below safe levels. Uh, next claim: the radiation is distorted by weak electromagnetic fields created by running water, certain mineral concentrations, fault lines, and underground cavities. Now I'm struggling to make any sense of this one. I, I think that's a taradiddle. Uh, radiation is distorted. I mean, what? What? Oh, <laughs> Okay, well, what, what, is, what, what, what is radiation? And how is it distorted, yeah. Um, ra there are three types of ionizing radiation. Alpha radiation, which is a helium nucleus. Um, beta radiation, which is a, an energetic free electron. And gamma radiation, which is a, a powerful electromagnetic wave of a certain wavelength. Um, there is also non-ionizing non radiation, like uh, neutron radiation and the rest of the electromagnetic spectrum. Mm. Um, the next line says that the wavelengths of the natural radiation disturbed in this way become harmful to living organisms. So I'm assuming she's talking about electromagnetic radiation if she's talking about wavelengths. We'll, we'll grant that, that was, that's what she might be talking about because I suspect she's not. I suspect no, she's I, just throwing out she words. She has no idea like, what she's talking about, yeah. but we'll, we'll be charitable. Like a monkey at a typewriter, essentially. Um, so what does she mean by disturbed? Does she mean make the wavelength shorter, make it longer, change scared. the amplitude? I think it just gets scared. Yeah, just freak it <gasps> out a bit. Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Show it as a photograph of a spider. <laughs> oh, he's throwing back to old Joe. <laughs> this is nice. Um, even if she means that these fault lines and running water alters the wavelength of some relatively innocuous geogenic electromagnetic radiation, like radio waves for argument's sake and changes them into something more dangerous like gamma rays or, or cosmic rays, which again doesn't make any sense, but assuming it happens, yeah. right? The resulting wave is going to have very, very little power. You, you can't change the total energy of the system. So if you're changing the wavelength to increase the frequency, then you must deliver them in a shorter amount of time to keep the energy constant. 
but like I say, even that doesn't make any sense. No, nope. that you, you, like this idea of like compressing. What's it going to come out as pulses at the other end or something? <laughs> what? It's, it, it's crazy. It, it it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, next claim. GS does not cause illness, but lowers your immune system. She's half right. Yeah, she is. The first half of that, GS does not cause illness. Kura, if she stopped there, I'm on board with her. I'd I'd promote her website if she says GS does not 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 cause illness. illness. Correct, love. Uh, Lowers your immune system. Well, what what the hell does that mean? Um, uh, This is actually the opposite claim of one that we normally get from pseudomedics. They normally claim something boosts your immune system. Yeah. Um, but you can't just boost or lower the immune system. I mean, what part of the immune system are you boosting or lowering? The immune system is not a single thing. It's not like a liver or a heart. It's a very complex and coordinated set of cells and proteins that act together. Um, there, there are antibodies like IgG or IgA, uh, and even within those, there are subtypes. There's the, the, the complement system. There are blood components like lymphocytes and macrophages and, and monocytes. Um, for a viral infection, there's one response. For a bacterial infection, there's another response. Uh, for a parasite, there's a third response. Um, the responses are different if you've previously been exposed to the infecting agents, either by a vaccine or by a previous infection. There are chemokines and interferon on, and, and, and inter, in, interleukins. There are those non-specific systems like cilia and platelets. It goes on and on and on and on yeah. and on and on. Yeah. So to say something boosts or lowers the immune system doesn't make any sense as a claim on its own. What part of the immune system are you lowering? Are you stopping antibody production? Is it lowering white cell count? What, what, what are you actually doing? You can't expect her to give specifics. No. <laughs> she only got so much time on her hands. Exactly. She's too busy <laughs> healing people to worry about the science of it. So next claim. While we are sleeping, the body should be at rest and can then do its repair work on body cells, fight infections, and absorb nutrients from food eaten in the day. Well, all of which your body does when you're awake anyway. Yes, it should be at rest. I'm fine with it being at rest while you're asleep. That's the yeah. definition of sleep. Yeah. yeah I'm fine for that. Repair work fighting infections, absorbing nutrients. Your body does all that while it's awake. There's, yeah. the, there's some material that I read today that suggests that wounds heal slightly faster when you're asleep. Well, that's, that's what I, I thought, yeah. But it, it, that doesn't mean it stops when you're awake. No. It does all that anyway. So it might do it better when you're asleep, but it does all that anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> when we are sleeping in a GS place, the body has to use all of its energy just to keep the vital organs going, and consequently the immune system is lowered we cannot absorb our nutrients or fight off infection. So now part of the function of the immune system is absorbing nutrients. <laughs> um, and what does keeping vital organs going mean? I mean in, 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 what sense does, uh, in what sense is the body doing this so that it means it can't also provide an adequate immune response? Yeah. And surely that's just part of the process of being alive. Well, that, yeah, it, <laughs> yeah that, that's that means general life. Get, getting blood to the organs yeah. is what it means, getting blood with, like, a glucose and oxygen to the organs. That's what you need to do. I mean, I think the more I hear about GS, the more I'm starting to realize that it stands for just generic shite. <laughs> <laughs> and, and why isn't this poor immune response detected as an immune disorder by the doctors treating the patients who are apparently suffering from geopathic stress? Because the doctors can't even recognize Canada. <laughs> And how can a poor immune response cause diabetes? <laughs> uh, this site is, is, is full of nonsense claims in it that really don't stand up to even cursory examination. We could do several hours debunking this website. It's really, and I, we I, will. I, I barely scratched the surface on that. I've, I've literally, I've, I've gone through one page, uh, which is her biography, mm. and another page on what GS is. And, and that's the level of crap you managed to find. That's that's what I found just on those two pages. Well, I guess that's that's then. The, I mean, normally our response or my response it would would mentally be, well, it is such nonsense. No one's going to buy it. But we know that's not true because we know our, our the, good uh, listener Duncan, at least our listener knows somebody who's, who's yeah. fallen for this bullshit. Rye claims that uh, hyperactivity in children is caused by GS. Yeah. Um. So are allergies. Sure. And and asthma. Autism. Uh, <laughs> we might as well throw that in there. Eczema. Yeah. Eczema. Bedwetting, <laughs> uh, learning difficulties, so possibly autism, autism nice, there, nice. Yeah. Uh, and cot death. Oh. Yeah. She, right. she says that research shows that 90% of sudden infant death syndrome victims were living in areas of geopathic stress. This, ha- this, this figure is just asserted. There's no reference. Yeah. No, and obviously, you know, she found out how she was in uh, an area of GS um, by having a dowser. 
which just confirms, you know, the dowsing working by, via the idiomotor movement just to, the idiomotor effect just to confirm yeah. whatever it is the dowser wants to believe. Yeah. So if you wander around a place where you know someone has died and use a dowsing rod to see whether it was GS <laughs> that killed them, you'll find a yes, probably. Yeah. I love the fact that um, children with low immune systems are supposed to be hyperactive mm. rather than just sitting there going, oh, Mill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and, and divorce. And divorce. What? <laughs> it plays divorce. Uh, 80% of divorces are caused by geopathic stress. Uh, this is wind turbines causing heart disease again. Uh, divorce. <laughs> I mean, that's, what is she claiming there? That because of the electromagnetic frequencies, the marriage bond dissolves? <laughs> <laughs> what is that? That radiation dissolves the wedding ring? Again, the, the immune system of the marriage. No, <laughs> no, no citation is provided again, just a straight out assertion. 80% of divorces are caused by, by, uh, a geopathic stress. And cancer. Oh, and cancer as well. Cancer tumors almost always develop. This is what you almost always develop where two GS lines cross. Okay. But a lot of people get cancer. Yeah, Patrick Swayze lived on two GS lines, obviously. Obviously. So the good news is that Debbie can help. Oh, she can help. How does she help? Does she manage to to invert the radiation? Well, for 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 only oddly enough. For only 80 new British pounds. Oh, new British 80. pounds. Uh, plus a five for postage and packing. Uh, she will sell you a seven-sided pyramid made from resin and quartz, which will absorb the negative energy of geopathic stress sure. and radiates pure life energy. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that or, sounds lovely. Or, or, or gone. That sounds less lovely. Orgon. Orgon is apparently that's, the name for pure life energy. That's from Peep Show. There's an episode of Peep Show where character Jeremy joins a cult. And yeah. the, one of the things they're saying is, oh, there's negative organs floating around the atmosphere. I, I looked up <laughs> organ on Wikipedia. Apparently this has been used for uh, to mean some sort of positive li- life oh, energy, right. often sexual energy. Oh, really? Um, for for he, some years yeah. now. He but, sounds like Xenu's second in command. <laughs> <laughs> the great organ on Xenu and, and Lieutenant Orgon. Orgon. Orgon of the Splatter Galaxy. There's always just like a random series of letters. Fucking hate sci-fi. A British film about Charles Darwin has failed to find a US distributor because his theory of evolution is apparently too controversial for American audiences. Um, now, if- I'm going to stop you there because the theory of evolution is not remotely controversial uh, in, in terms of scientific controversy. No, it's virtual. It's yeah. It doesn't mean controversial to anything. It's, it's 100% virtual. It's a very virtual theory. <laughs> One of the most virtual theories of our time. So I assume this is some sort of political controversy they're referring uh, yes, to. Yes, yes. It's... Um, I'm not really sure why it's happened. Um, it's, the film's called Creation. Uh, it stars Paul Bettany, the British actor, and it details Charles Darwin's struggle between faith and reason while Wiley writes on the um, origin of species. Mm. It's based on um, a book by his great-great-grandson, Randall Keynes, called Annie's Box. Mm. Um, uh, the film was chosen to open the Toronto Film Festival and had its British premiere not so long ago, and it's been sold to almost every territory in the world, from Australia to Scandinavia. However... All U.S. distributors turned it down because they said it would be divisive in the, in America, which is a country, according to a recent Gallup poll, only 39% of people believe in the theory of evolution. Now, I don't remember Downfall having any problem getting a distributor yeah. in America <laughs> or, or Hitler Rise of Evil. I don't remember that having any problem. Or uh, Expelled. In fact, Hitler Rise exactly. of Evil was made by NBC. Was it really? So, a Hitler biopic... That's fine. Oh, yeah. A Darwin biopic. No, that's controversial. Well, yeah, of course. Yeah, he had some crazy ideas. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should mention Expelled, which did have an American distributor, because so did Religious, which also actually premiered at the Toronto Film Festival, mm. despite being very anti-religion and, well, particularly anti-creationist. Mm. So I don't really know what's going on there. The impression that um, the Telegraph gave, what's the Telegraph again, was that... Um, it was the influence of a site called MovieGuide.org, which is a Christian site which reviews films from oh, Christian I've perspective. Oh, I've seen this site. <laughs> this, that site is amazing. It's great, isn't it? You, I, you, why should, so? you should see what they wrote on Dogma. It's fantastic. Oh, I never thought to look at Dogma. Dogma and, and South Park. <laughs> oh, South Park. Would be good. They're, they're be cracking reviews to read. <laughs> When you first get to the site, it says a family guide to movies and entertainment, which they, fair enough, it looks quite normal. Um, I picked a random film from their main page, 
um, to see what kind of things they write as reviews. Sure. Uh, the film I picked was a film called White on Rice, which I hadn't heard of. I chose called White random. White on Rice. Okay. Which is about, um, I think it's a, basically a low-budget uh, comedy drama about a misfit guy from Japan who lives in America. That sounds hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all, all for that. It sounds like some sort of dodgy interracial porn, uh, first of all. <laughs> I'll look forward to it next year's Oscars. <laughs> it might be a good film. I've no idea. Basically, the, well, you should have an idea. You've got the review right in front of you. <laughs> oh, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, their review basically takes the form of a list of things that families might have a problem with or need to take account of for their children. Um, and I'll read a bit out. It starts off, Like romantic worldview with some moral elements. Five obscenities, including an S-word and a H-word, and no profanities. Well, 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 an H-word? H -word. <laughs> I don't <Hot>? know. <laughs> I'm not giving them credit with spelling. <laughs> it must be hell. Atheist, I don't it's know. It's got to be hell. Hell's the only one I could think it could be that a but, Christian website would get upset about. But Christians use the H-word more than anyone else. Those guys use it all the time. Uh, it gets more ridiculous. Uh, it says, there's strong violence in one scene where a character accidentally stabs himself in the stomach... And a scene where a man smashes a car window because he left the car keys in there. Well, well, that's they pull that up as a, an issue. That's violence, yeah. yeah. He smashes it. It's a violence to a car but, for a purpose. <laughs> this uh, if if I if any this, violence. If this is the same site that I'm thinking it is, they wrote a scathing review of Passion of the Christ. Oh, I'm not surprised <laughs> because it portrayed Jesus, and that's that, that's against the rules to like actually make a film about Jesus. This, that's not true. That's Muslim, that's Mohammed. No, <laughs> false idol. But they're quite happy to Jesus is a false idol. Well, you're, you're, you're creating the, the idol, though. No, but you're, uh, an actor is oh, creating an idol of Jesus, which then people are going to see. It's worshipping a false idol. That's mental. <laughs> that, is, that is actually, I mean, all, I mean, we, we take a pop at religion re relatively regular, despite what our iTunes review says. We have a pop at religion from time to time, and it, it deserves it. But all joking Extreme, aside, especially. that is mental, that you can't yeah. portray Jesus. What happened to Robert Powell? Oh, they probably didn't like him either. Oh, he he oh, did God, um, yes. the thingy, which is, they, well, where he got, got married detectives. and stuff. Yeah. Like, no, not the detectives. <laughs> <laughs> he was in the detective. But yeah, that's what I mean. They probably boycotted it because he was in it. Oh, right. I was, that wasn't the thing that they took up. He should have done it. It was shit. It's hard. Oh, to be honest, I just don't find it funny. I quite like the idea that the detective is about Jasper Carrot and Jesus <laughs> solving crimes. <laughs> yeah. Jay and me. me God and knows what their review of Last Temptation of Christ is like. He does. He knows everything. <laughs> <laughs> It goes on to list uh, more various possibly offensive things for your children, like a bit of upper male nudity, alcohol use, um, no smoking. Upper male nudity? For some reason. Uh, alcohol use. Let's, let's, let's not gloss over these. Yeah. These are mental. <laughs> There's one where uh, uncle forgets to watch nephew on Halloween night and son disappears but shows up later. That's a sin. Forgetting uh, I, to watch your nephew I, at Halloween. Was that, I think that was I eighth don't or ninth on the commandments, I think. Yeah. Thou shalt not forget to watch. <laughs> Thou shalt not... Without, yeah, thou shalt not forget to watch your nephew <laughs> on Halloween. Halloween yeah. yeah, I've just seen one that says brackets boy, even if he shows up later. <laughs> Close brackets. Boy secretly works odd jobs in neighbourhoods so he can secretly pay for concert piano lessons. <laughs> and that's evil. <laughs> I really don't know what's going on. There's a lot of people going to hell. <laughs> He's not honouring his father and his mother then by doing it in secret, is he? No, I uh, suppose. Well, you're pretty uh, hot on these Ten Commandments here. <laughs> this is good. You this should is be your site, isn't it? <laughs> uh, the review goes on to to do a, quite a normal, quite a generous review. Um, and then, for some reason, at the end of it, it says, The worldview is lightly romantic, so caution is advised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I really hope they've not seen anything by Richard Curtis. Uh, oh god! Of course, it is advice for any Richard Curtis that, film. I just like to. Ask. I, I really, really like the idea of a review of a porn film on there. <laughs> It'd be just amazing. There are six acts. Of... <laughs> yeah. So apparently, this site is um... Debbie Does Damascus. Oh, hello, hello. There's <laughs> uh, a mental comedy graph in everyone's minds now. The x-axis yeah. is Bible stories. The y-axis, pornographic <laughs> films. <laughs> Somewhere there's some intersections. There's plenty of intersections, yes. <laughs> Pen diagrams. The, the passion of Christ is probably the obvious. <laughs> okay, so it's question of the week time. Do we have a, a fake jingle? Question of the week. Um, 
<clears throat> so we'll we'll look at last week's question of the week first. Which let's Colin, can you remind us what last week's question of the week was? I believe that was what is your price? Yes. I believe it was. Yeah, well what we're talking about obviously is um what would it take for you to start selling pseudoscience? How much would you have to be paid to sell something you knew was false and you knew potentially was dangerous? What would your price be for that? And uh Mike, I believe you've got our listeners' answers. Yeah, we have some uh, we have some uh, feedback from listeners here. Uh, Yorkshire Skeptic says, I probably have a price. Personal circumstances would definitely come into it. Pay off my student debt and I'll believe the sky's purple if it'll please you. <laughs> I probably would steer clear of offers from alternative medicine and such because what they promote can kill or seriously injure people. But something silly like UFOs or fairies I grudgingly shill for with a fair amount of shill money going to skeptical organizations to counteract the woo. <laughs> Um, Stu said that uh, he doesn't know how wealthy she is already, but Clarissa Dixon Wright, one of the two fat ladies, apparently turned down ten million to promote a major supermarket chain. This is a fine example of somebody sticking to their guns. Wow, that's pretty yeah. impressive. Um, Michael, not you, Michael. Oh, you, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> but another Michael, a third Michael, uh, says stuff all that. I have the moral fortitude of a slug. I would sell my ass on Lime Street if I could get spending money. <laughs> If somebody offered me on my own personal jet fighter to say homeopathy worked, I'd go for it. I would then attack homeopaths with my truckload of Sidewinder missiles. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Mind you, if somebody gave me a biro... <laughs> Sorry, folks, it seemed like I'd hauled myself for a Mars bar. <laughs> Danny said that he would do it for a, uh, a bag of Wattsits, a can of Tab Clear, and a Mars bar. <laughs> We've got quite a Mars bar-loving yeah. crowd, it would seem. Throw in a week's supply of the Daily Mail and he'd happily go on a date with Ted Haggard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, our own Colonel Molrat says, Actually, I may sell my soul to the forces of homeopathy in exchange for a mythical book of arcane knowledge that allows it to actually work. <laughs> uh, uh, Bradley Spowers. Uh, Brad says, Hi, guys. I love the show, but I used all my good jokes for righteous indignation. Oh, see, I... Thank you, Brad. You know, I, I can appreciate that because I'm on Righteous Indignation, uh, which you can catch at Right RI Podcast. Uh, Google Righteous Indignation or check us out on Facebook. I actually have to make an apology to Righteous Indignation because last episode I gave out their web address wrong. I thought you might have done, but I don't know it well enough to, it's, to check. Uh, the, the website is ripodcast.co.uk and yeah. I said ripodcast.com. <gasps> oh, dear. And we, we had thousands of listeners miss us. You yeah. know, our, our listenership plummeted. <laughs> <laughs> Because even your existing listeners were looking at the, <laughs> looking at the wrong address. Yeah, they thought when, yeah. well, I, th I thought it was called it I UK. I they moved. Those skeptics were the case. Yeah, they my, moved yeah, to this my, website. Mike Hall seemed to know what he was talking about. He seemed very forthright with his views. <laughs> Brad says, to have his face on a poster for a single clinic in the city, then probably in the region of 800 to 1,000 pounds. However, if it was to deny AIDS or stop kids getting a cool scar that you get from TB jabs, they'd have to throw in at least a lion bar too. What is it with confectionery in our audience? I think we've got an audience of fatty. <laughs> so I'll do anything for chocolate. And I like the way he's he's got he's picked quite a reasonable rate, like eight hundred to a thousand. That's not a bad appearance fee, really. I mean, I think that's that's like a day's photo shooting, probably, <laughs> if you're a model or something, I guess. But he, he says a more interesting question is why would they be paying him that much, <laughs> uh, aside from his devilish good looks and his charity work, and what would they be willing to do if he paid them that much? Interesting. Would you give ten billion to homeopathy if it made them go away? That's a good question. I mean, I suppose you, you know you can go both ways on it. I, I, it'd be nice to make them go away. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be nice to be giving homeopaths money. <laughs> well, it depends on what they're going to do with it. If they're going away, they can't be spending it on homeopathy. Oh yeah, yeah. They've got to have it in. But they'll it, be going off spending it on Reiki instead. Yeah, they? exactly. Yeah. Um. So this week's question. Yeah, I believe this week's question actually came from Colonel Mulrat himself at uh, one of our recent skeptics in the pub. He said, if all concerns of ethics were out of the window, what experiment would you run? So you don't have to worry about making things, making things fair human, humanitarily. It doesn't matter what you do to the test subjects yeah. or the people involved. Yeah. If you had blank canvas, complete license, free reign, what experiment would you run? Uh, Crossbreed a chimp with a human. Really? No. Who's that inhuman to the chip or human? <laughs> I don't they, know what it would achieve. Mike has a maniacal look in his eye like he has an answer. <laughs> Apparently that is uh, technically possibly feasible, but no no scientist would ever consider doing so it. So you would actually do it then? So that, that, that's not a bad answer. If you, you think it's... the chimp-human thing. You'd, you'd try and make a monkey man. <laughs> so, <laughs> oddly enough, I'd go the other way. I'd go eugenics. 
I go let's let's breed out all like the genetic disabilities and things like that and build a race of very you know clever artistic powerful you know brilliant people blonde hair blue eyes a thousand year Reich we Sorry, I got a bit carried away there. You did a little bit, a little bit. That's what happened to Hitler, actually. So, yes, if uh, if you got your answer um, to uh, what experiment would you run and why as well. We don't we just, you know, what what are you doing it for? Um, yeah, there must be a reason for this other than just to fuck around with monkeys and men. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, email it to podcast at merseysideskeptics.org.uk um, or leave it on our Facebook page. Uh, and if you can't find our Facebook page, then... More fool you. Yeah. Um, uh, or you can leave it on our website, www.mercysideskeptics.org.uk. Absolutely. Uh, so it's time for the homework. Yay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, I should, I should try, and, try and muscle up yeah. some actual actual enthusiasm uh, there rather than this. Put it in the homework diary. Sorry. Yeah. Homework. Um, so this, uh, this, this week's homework, uh, we want you to tell a friend... About homeopathy. Yes, but now, tell them what it actually is. Don't now, just like say, by yeah, the way, homeopathy, the, the, and then leave it there. It does sound like we're promoting homeopathy here. <laughs> it but, does. Uh, it's, uh, what we want you to do, this is something that um, Andy, who who uh, did our sound for us at Skeptics in the Pub. Yeah, and he's um, very involved with us. He's, he also, uh, he, he blogs on our site if you mm. want to go and read it. And, and homeopathy is something that An- Andy's particularly interested in. He finds, and I agree with him, that when he explains to people what homeopathy actually is... Um, they one don't believe him for a start. Yeah. They, they think he's making it up, uh, and two they appreciate the absurdity once they because re- people think it's just a sort of herbal medicine. Yeah, yeah. They don't realise what what what's actually involved in in homeopathy. Um, and so for we can't expect everyone who listens to the show to know what nonsense homeopathy is. So we're going to very briefly uh, uh, take you through in the classics, the skeptics with a K style, um, the history of homeopathy. So homeopathy was invented by a German doctor called Samuel Hahnemann in the uh, late 18th and early 19th centuries. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hahnemann was working on the German translation of William Cullen's Materia Medica when he ingested some cinchona bark uh, to test his hypothesis that cinchona bark helped treat malaria by virtue of its effect of strengthening the stomach. Uh, so after ingesting the bark, he suffered with fever, shivering and joint pain, which are similar symptoms to the early signs of malaria. From this experiment, Hahnemann concluded that like cures like, as if the human body won't tolerate two agents causing the same set of symptoms within the body. He reasoned that taking a substance which causes those symptoms in healthy individuals would therefore cure whatever ailment afflicted those who were suffering with those symptoms. Uh, Hahnemann named this the law of similars, although it's, it actually has no real-world scientific no it's, it's it's utter nonsense um I mean, you could sort of you know like poles repel and you know, yeah there's metaphors you can draw but it it really has no biological plausibility mm. at all yeah uh he then set about feeding anything and everything to healthy test subjects to see what effect it would have on them <laughs> uh he, he called this approving yeah um that's a proving not approving no no exactly yeah <laughs> i mean if it was approving it was like oh that was, that was quite nice actually yeah <laughs> all right more pepper next time uh, by noting the symptoms developed by the subject in the proving, he would know what ailments that substance could be used to treat in future. So, uh, dose somebody up with coffee and they have trouble sleeping. Mm. Uh, so you can use it to treat insomnia. Yeah, which, which people do all the time. When they want to go to sleep, they have a cup of coffee. Done. Well, uh, yeah, the, the, <laughs> the problem with that is dose up an insomniac with coffee and she'll get less sleep, not more. Um, yeah, and, he's, he's not an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, he thought that far ahead. Yeah, Hahnemann knew this was a problem. Uh, so he, he recognized that the use of substances that cause symptoms similar to an existing disease would actually aggravate the condition of a patient. No really? fucking shit. Yeah, well done, well done. <laughs> um, that was where his science carried on. To remedy this, he advocated the dilution of the substance to the point where the symptoms were no longer present. That's where his science stopped. <laughs> The dilutions were performed either tenfold or 100-fold steps. Uh, dilutions of 1 in 10 are referred to as X dilutions after the Roman numeral for 10. Uh, so 1X is 1 in 10, uh, 2X is 1 in 100, 3X is 1 in 1,000, etc. Uh, dilutions of 1 in 100 are referred to as C dilutions, um, again from the Roman numeral C meaning 100, where 1C is 1 in 100, 2C is 1 in 10,000, 3C is 1 in a million, etc. Um, mathematically, a 2x dilution is the same as a 1c dilution. Uh, 4x is the same as 2c, 6x is the same as 3c, and, and, and so on. 
the dilution is usually in water, but sometimes in ethyl alcohol if the uh, solute is insoluble in water. So suppose we start with 16 grams of sulfur, okay. uh, which homeopaths use to treat morning sickness and hemorrhoids. Okay. <laughs> Uh, we dilute 16 grams of sulfur in alcohol because sulfur is uh, not soluble in water, but it's, it's faintly soluble in, um, in alcohol. Um, Avogadro's number tells us that we have, uh, six to, uh, times 10 to the power of 23 atoms in the, uh, of sulfur in that solution. That's six followed by 23 zeros of yeah. a- atoms of sulfur in, in that solution. So we take one milliliter of that solution and dilute that in 99 milliliters of water we now have a 1C solution of sulfur. We take one milliliter of that and dilute that in 99 milliliters of water. We now have a 2C solution and so on. By the time you get to 11C, mathematically, there are only around 60 atoms of sulfur left in the solution. (laughs) At 12C, there's a 50-50 chance of there being any sulfur left in the solution at all. At 13C, it's a 1 in 170 chance-ish of being any sulfur left. At 14C, it's a 1 in 17,000 chance-ish of there being Mm. any sulfur um, left uh, in the solution. Uh, By 16C, you've got more chance of winning the lottery than finding a single sulfur (laughs) atom in the the solution. Uh, And at 30C, which is a common dilution used for sulfur remedies, Mm. the chances are so vanishingly small that to all intents and purposes they are zero. There is no sulfur in homeopathic sulfur. You go and buy a, a pack of homeopathic sulfur off the shelf, there is no sulfur in it. None, mm. nothing, not a single, not even an atom of sulfur in that substance. Now, Hanneman understood that dilutions of the magnitude he used would eliminate all the original substance. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. He's, he's a scientist. He's not an idiot. Yeah. He understood that. He believed, however, that the healing power of the substance could be preserved and actually concentrated by the process he called dynamization. He's an idiot. <laughs> is this something he made up at that time? It wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Hanneman believed that the physical disruption of the solution during the dilution process could release a spirit-like dynamic healing force contained within the substance. He believed that even after it had been completely removed from the solution by enormous dilution, this healing force would remain. The dynamization process could be induced by succussion of the solution between dilution steps. Now, succussion is a process of agitating the freshly diluted solution by wrapping its container hard against a hard but elastic surface, such as a leather-bound book. Like, I, I think Bibles were commonly used. I think so. Um, and they, what they would normally do as well is you hit it ten times in one direction, yeah. then ten times in another direction, then ten times so you've done it on all three axes uh, to release the spirit of the sulfur into yeah. the water. Mm-hmm. Um he called this the law of, of, of infinitesimals. Now, these are the three principles of homeopathic medicine. The law of infinitesimals, the law of similars, and succussion. None of them stand up to scientific scrutiny. No. Uh, and in fact, if, if they were demonstrably true, they would totally undermine everything we know about chemistry, human biology, and pharmacology. And maths. It's, and, and mathematics. And probably physics. It's not just a case that homeopathy is an unproven modality. It's actually, it's completely absurd. Mm. Now, there is always the possibility that science has got it completely wrong. Um, in which case, what we need to do is do the clinical trials for homeopathy and see if it actually works. See if, you know, you get a, a, a thousand patients, you split them into two groups, half of them are treated with homeopathy, half of them are treated with placebo and see what happens. And what happens is on the best designed studies, the most rigorously designed, double-blind, placebo-controlled, randomized trials, mm-hmm. it comes out exactly in line with placebo. There is no effect from homeopathy. Yeah. So it, not only is it implausible, it also doesn't work. Yeah. So now you know what homeopathy is. You can go out, you can explain it to your friends, tell a friend, tell a, a, like a non-skeptical friend, explain to them what homeopathy is. Um, because genuinely we find that people don't know. People think you're lying when you tell them this stuff about mm. diluting it until there's nothing left, yeah. about hitting it against the Bible 10 times in, in several different directions, about light curing like you take caffeine to cure insomnia, you use onions to cure hay fever. It's, it, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's really absurd. And when oh, people nonsense. appreciate how absurd it is, it makes it much easier to convince them yeah. that it's, it's actually nonsense and it doesn't work at yeah. all. 
Okay, I think that's about all we've got time for. I, I th- it probably is, to yeah. be honest. Um, so, <clears throat> there are a couple of things I want to say, though. Uh, first off, Skeptics in the Pub. Yes. Uh, don't forget, Liverpool Skeptics in the Pub. Um, our next uh, social meeting is... October um, 1st. October 1st, yeah. yeah. We're hoping to see a, have a decent turnout. Um, I think a lot of the people who came to the Chris Fence lecture were interested in coming to have yeah. just a pint with us. So. Yeah. God knows what that's going to do to the pub, but we'll see. That's uh, just a couple of days before Tam London as well. We're like, it is. Oh, God, I forget about that. Yeah. I've got to book my train tickets and things. Yeah. Sorry. Make sure I've got accommodation. So I'm <laughs> the only one in this room not going. Oh, dear. So, yeah, our next one is on Oc- uh, October 1st at yeah. Dr. Duncan's yeah, yeah. on uh, St. John's Lane, Liverpool. That's a Thursday. Uh, it is. First, first Thursday mm-hmm. in, uh, in October. So come down, join us for a pint. Um, uh, and have fun. Our next lecture is uh, Ari and Shireen on mm. October 15th in the, the upstairs barn of the Crown Hotel uh, on, Lime, on Street, Lime Street, Liverpool City Centre again. Yeah, right next to the station. Um, uh, again, it's uh, uh, technically free to get in, although we will be asking for a, a, a donation. Small donation, sure. Um, whatever pennies you can spare. Um, don't forget our website, mercysoundskeptics.org.uk. Uh, you can email us at uh, podcast at mercyhouse.org.uk. You don't even have to like necessarily be responding to a question of the week or uh, yeah, just just or, get just know, let us just know, get really. in touch. Just yeah. you know, get in touch, say Anything hello, like. um, tell us that we're full of shit. If you, or if you have a, a something you've spotted, you know, just just like uh, Duncan, if you spot something as crazy as uh, GS and you want us to know about it or want us to talk about it, you know, send it through and uh, yeah. we we'd love to to tackle something a listener suggests. Yeah, yeah. we're very approachable. Um, and please don't forget, the, you know, all we ask is two and two. Yep. Right, right, two reviews on iTunes. Yep. I'm not going to do that again. And he's not going to do that joke again. Eat two lion bars. Yeah, the listeners wrote in two by two. Hurrah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, please, if you enjoy the show, uh, please leave us a review on yeah, iTunes. Yeah, pass it around. Yeah. It, it, it does help. You know, yeah. t- tell some friends about it. Get them to write reviews on iTunes. Because yeah. seriously, iTunes reviews do t- really help us uh, 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 grow our uh, egos. Our, our <laughs> <laughs> I was as well say, as <laughs> I was going to say listenership, but egos works too. Yeah, and that's the important thing, really, is that our egos get fed. Don't forget, you can also hear March on the Righteous Indignation podcast. You can, you can that, um, that's, at uh, uh, ripodcast.co.uk. Co.uk, absolutely. Um, all that remains is for me to thank Marsh for coming along today. Yeah, no pleasure as always, mate. And thank you, Colin. It's been great. And uh, this has been Skeptics with a K. We'll see you in two weeks. Bye now. Uh, see you soon. Skeptics with a K is a production of the Merseyside Skeptics Society. Visit our website at www.mersesideskeptics.org.uk or email podcast at merseysideskeptics.org.uk. Skeptics with a K.